You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Paul says in a letter to Timothy, as we look towards Philippians, he says this in 1 Timothy 2.13. To Timothy, he says, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. We're going to do something a little different today, sermon-wise, and that is to take a step back from where we're at. And if you've read 9 through 11 and have studied it and you're ready to, to look into it, we are going to get it. I'm not skipping it. But we're going to take a step back today, and we're going to just read the entire book. Before, that, before you get fearful that your thing in the oven or crockpot's going to burn, it's like 14 minutes to read through the whole book. So it's not very long at all. There's two reasons I have for doing this in particular today. One is practical. One is, I think, more hopeful and helpful. Uh, One has to do with teeth. That's just personally. Just this week dealing with a toothache that led to the dentist that leads to root canal this week. So those that have had that, I'd love to talk with you. What's that? Is it as bad as it sounds? Somebody said, Milt said this week, canal sounds like digging, and that sounds bad. So... Maybe if you've had that, you know where the... Anyway, that led to some stuff just falling behind somewhat in the study. And that's not all of it, but just I would love to have a better treatment of these next 9 through 11 verses than where I was kind of at. And so with that as a factor, we're just going to kind of bump that to next week and look more in-depth. But I don't think our time is at, at all wasted today because the other reason to read Philippians, the entire book, and hope maybe you've read it already. You could read it every day and glean things from it, but is to hear this letter, for it is a letter from Paul to the church at Philippi, the saints, the overseers, the deacons. So it's a letter from him. And so as we examine each tree, and that's kind of what we're doing each week as we look in verses uh, 1 through three, 2 or 3 through 8 or we're going to be in 9 through 11. We're kind of looking at trees and looking at that. We're, we're kind of pulling back for what's the overview, what's the forest look like here in this book. And so towards the beginning of our study, and it, it's good to read uh, through this. Not every book can we read through. You know, Genesis probably couldn't read on one Sunday morning, but Philippians we can. So it's a neat opportunity to do this. And by doing this, this is part of Paul's uh, exhortation to Timothy. You know, ex- exhort the word, teach. It's what we do uh, as we preach each week, but also devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. So I'm going to publicly read what is God's word. And I think in some sense, it's the best sermon I could ever preach because I'm not preaching it. God is. So what you're hearing, if you're hearing conviction or something along those lines or encouragement, all those things, that's from the Lord, clearly. As it is any week, it's from God. But But anyway, you want to hear from God's Word. So I want to help us just with a few things before I read this. trying not to get into a sermon, but just to help us hear today. Because I'm going to be reading four chapters of a book, and I want us to hear well today. So one question might be, does, for me, very personally, does Philippians speak to someone facing a root canal? Or some of you are facing far worse things. A root canal is not listed in this book. We're going to read all the chapters, all 104 verses, I think it is. No root canal mentioned. However, there's great hope. There's much here for that situation. 
or those facing much greater, much greater health obstacles than that. For those that are in, in, the, in the, the life of parenting, there's something here. For you in the life of childing, I thought, I don't know what the word is for childing, but there's, we are concerned parents with how we're parenting. Children, you're concerned, how are you childing? How are you under your parents? There's stuff here. How are things at work? How are things that fill in the blank? There's much to glean here, much here. Like I said, this is God's, I think I said, this is God's word. And these aren't my words today. It's his sure word. We can lean on these four chapters of God's word to us. I want you to try to, as we work through here, uh, try to hear the main message. Let me just encourage you as I read through it. Questions might pop up. Oh, what's he, why did Paul say it that way? Or what's he saying here? Try to think on those a little bit, maybe make a mental note, but don't let them take you away from the next chapter. Just kind of, okay, mental note. I, there's going to be some things where you go, why did he say it that way? Don't let it bog you down and miss the rest of it. That should be encouragement for those that are, if you're easily distracted and you're thinking about, is that thing in the crockpot burning? Is it okay? And it's just, that's okay. They just come up and just, okay, I'm back. Just come back. You're going to hear the reading continue. I want you to think about in terms of Christ, because we know Christ, you know, we've got it up here, for to me, kind of our theme of this series, for to me to live is Christ. So Christ is throughout this book. So how does Christ, a relationship with Christ, affect Paul personally? You can think about that. And how does it affect his horizontal relationships? Just what's Paul's relationship with Christ and how does it affect those that he's around? So you might think of those questions, maybe in a general sense, what impact does Christ have on Paul's life or should he have on the church's life as we read this? Just be thinking of that as we go through. It's going to take me about four minutes, three to four minutes for each chapter. I am going to try, if I remember, I'm going to try to pause at the end of each chapter just for you to, if you're into taking notes, jot down a note of, man, that that really stood out to me as I went through that chapter. So I'm just going to try to pause, give you a break, kind of bring back everybody around for the next chapter, and we'll proceed on like that and go through it. So I want to pray for us because what we're doing is a work of the Lord to reveal his scripture. And so I want to pray for us, Psalm 119, 33 through 40, as we just hear God's word today. So let's pray together. Father, we're praying, would you teach us, Lord, the way of your statutes, that we would keep them to the end. Give each person sitting here understanding that they may keep your law, that they may observe it with their whole heart. Lord, lead us in the path of your commandments, for we delight in your word. Lord, incline our hearts to your testimonies, not for selfish gain today, Father, today as we hear this word, turn our eyes from looking at worthless things and give us life in your ways. Father, confirm to us, your servants, your promises that are here in Philippians that we may fear you. Lord, turn away the reproach that we dread for your rules and your ways, they're good. Lord, we long for your precepts So in your righteousness, give us life. So Lord, I pray for each one about to hear your word today, including the preacher. 
Lord, impact us again with what you have spoken, your authoritative, good, faithful word that points us to Christ. May we see Christ throughout this and be encouraged to walk with you and, as the text is going to say, to shine as lights. We ask in your name. Amen. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy 
of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. If you're in the notes, if you want to jot anything down, something. Chapter 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or questioning that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. And even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. 
how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Chapter 3. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, persecutor of the church, As to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a, a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, of 
whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. And then chapter 4. I entreat Eudia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance in need, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. 
Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let me pray. Father, thank you today for your word. Lord, each of us come in a, in a context of life and perhaps trials or laments like we were talking about in Sunday school or different circumstances. Lord, we come maybe with the spirit of praise today. We've seen you at work this week. And we too can say glory be to God the Father. Lord, work in us, work in us a, a heart of love for Christ and a heart of Christ's love for one another that this book points to. Lord, this partnership in the gospel, this rejoicing, this contentment in Christ. Father, may we be a body known that no matter in abundance or need, in plenty or hunger, we are content because we have Christ. That we would count, like Paul, we would count as rubbish any other thing for the, the surpassing worth of knowing you, Jesus. And we recognize, Lord, that's all a work of you in our hearts to lift our eyes that want to look horizontally for what we can only receive vertically in you, our Lord. Lead us to glory in you as your church. And Lord, I pray that whatever has been spoken from your word, whatever your Holy Spirit has pricked in the heart, Lord, today of your people, that that would bear fruit in their lives. We ask in your name, amen. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.